travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Aloha and welcome to Talk Travel Asia episode 93, Living Irrawaddy Dolphin Project with Paul Eshu. Humans are making a dramatically increased impact on our environment and potentially destroying what makes it great. Sometimes tourism and conservation efforts intersect, helping to create win-win situations for visitors and locals in destination, or in this case, and this episode, the mammals. Today we'll chat with Paul Eshu, an environmentalist who's been living and working in Asia for many years, about the Living Irrawaddy Dolphin Project, which aims to protect Myanmar's Irrawaddy dolphins. In Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott Coates, and with me is my trusty co-host... Trevor Ranges here in Phnom Penh. Uh, how's your new year going, Scott? It is going good. We are six days in and I've had multiple bike rides in the green spaces of Bangkok. A couple nice runs. I'm feeling good, man. Yeah, nice cool winter weather. It is sort of cool winter weather. For those of you that don't know, this is the time we look forward to in Bangkok where it actually gets down to like 23 or 24 at night and maybe even doesn't get hotter than 29 or 30. But believe it or not, it is refreshing. The air just doesn't get like hot. And uh, my back and chest outside of exercise haven't been sweaty in like a week and a half. Wow, good for you. You know, I've spent yeah. a lot of time swimming. I, I was just down in Kampot and Kep in the south of Thailand. But in December... South of Cambodia. Was, yeah, in December I was up in Krate, which is uh, on the Mekong River. And just north of Krate in the little village of Kampi, they have uh, Irrawaddy dolphins living in the Mekong River. And, oh, wow. uh, I had last went out on a boat to try and spot some dolphins about 10 years ago. And mm -hmm. I remember there's three different groups of Irrawaddy dolphins that live in the Mekong in Cambodia. And one of them is, is in that area, Campy, where we were. And I okay. remember 10 years ago, uh, you know, the, the, I think it's the WCS or the WWF, uh, it does a dolphin protection program there. And I remember right. from their statistics, uh, it looked pretty dire. It looked like by now the dolphin population in that area probably would have died off just because, uh, you know, these dolphins, as you mentioned in the introduction, face a number of challenges. And at first mm -hmm. it was fishing and not necessarily intentionally catching them to eat, but accidentally getting caught in fishing nets or getting killed by fishing boat motors. Um, and they did a good job of trying to educate the local population about that. But then they started dying off uh, before they reached sexual maturity. And they thought maybe it was because of pesticides or something like that. Hmm. Um, but when we went last month, uh, we just took a boat straight across the river, parked on a beach uh, across from the boat launch there. And we just watched and we saw dozens of dolphins probably. So it was pretty great to see that uh, the dolphin population there in Campy is, is hanging in there and, and they seem to, to be enjoying themselves. Hmm. I've never seen any uh, dolphins in rivers in Asia, but I was very near to them. In 2018, I was uh, at Sipand on 4,000 Islands on the Mekong River, just as it uh, crosses into Cambodia. And you can take little boats out to see them. But the weather was a little looking like it was going to rain. I was alone and I didn't go out uh, to see them. But I've read articles and even how um, they think maybe the building of dams on the river is adversely impacting them. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good one to hook up with Paul. He was on episode 
episode 34, Ecotourism in Laos, a while back and, and find out what he's got to say about it. But just before we go too far, a quick shout out to all our patrons, people that help keep Talk Travel Asia happening. You can go to patreon.com or click on the left side of our homepage and sponsor us for as little as a dollar a month. We do this for free out of our own pockets and we would appreciate your sponsorship. Yeah, thanks for that, Scott. Um, yeah, so just before we get Paul in here, some of the things I'm curious to find out about was that, uh, you know, I, I had forgotten, but these dolphins, again, they're river dolphins. Most dolphins live in the ocean, as people are probably aware yeah. of. Um, they seem much smaller. They're much smaller than like the spinner dolphins we have in Hawaii, which are relatively okay. small, I believe, as well. So I wonder if the, the small size is just... Uh, this type of dolphin is small or whether they're small because of the conditions that they're living in now because of the environmental challenges um, and then also for people who don't know they should go to our show notes on talktravelasia.com take a look at some of the pictures uh, just because uh, they don't have like a beak i don't know if that's called a beak or a snout you they know kind of like got a lumpy head right well, it's kind of a round face as if like they just have round faces that don't have little like noses like normal dolphins do. So mm. they're really cute. They look uh, they look quite different. Um, another thing I want people to check out, uh, I went stand up paddle boarding in Kampot uh, with Stand Up Paddle Asia and they do a program in Krati. Uh, where you get to do like a homestay on one of the islands in the Mekong, and then you stand up paddleboard uh, with the with the dolphins. And when oh, they did wow. it last year, yeah, they shot some drone footage, and the drone footage of the dolphins swimming in the river is just amazing. So I'll put a link, or we'll embed that video on our show notes. So if people want to check out what these dolphins look like, um, then you can go to our show notes and check that out. Otherwise, let's bring Paul in and let's learn a little bit more about him. Yeah, our guest is Paul Eshoo, an American who has also chatted with us on episode 34. He originally came to Asia with the Peace Corps to work in Nepal, then moved to Laos to develop community-based uh, ecotourism uh, projects with various agencies. He's also worked on projects in Cambodia and Vietnam. He serves as advisor and social investor with the Living Arawati Dolphin Project. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Paul. Welcome back, Paul. Uh, hi, guys. Nice to be back. Yeah, welcome back to the show, Paul. Uh, we were kind of surprised that you were an expert in another subject after having you on the show before. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the project and how you first got involved in this? Um, actually, it's, it's, it's similar. It's related to what, what I was doing before. Um, I used to work for the, uh, Wildlife Conservation Society uh, in, in Lao PDR, and then uh, the organization moved me to Myanmar to help them set up a community-based tourism project in the Arawati Dolphin Protected Area, which is like located near, uh, just outside of Mandalay. And mm -hmm. um, I stopped working with WCS uh, at the end of 2015. And then I was uh, invited by a small tour company to help them set up uh, sort of a community-based ecotourism project, sort of like a social business. Um, so I'm doing something similar to what I was doing before, but more on the business side. So can you tell us exactly what is the Living Irrawaddy Dolphin Project and when did you get involved? Okay, so the Living Irrawaddy Dolphin Project is a social business. Um, and what we're trying to do is to help uh, these uh, cooperative fishing communities to develop tourism. And then to use some of the some of the revenue from tourism also to support the communities to do dolphin conservation. 
And uh, we started this in 2017, about, you know, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. Um, it was sort of just a concept back in uh, August 2017. And um, so what we do, though, is we basically we help the communities run tours and we do it in a way that's sort of, you know, beneficial to the communities. Um, it, it's also, uh, as a social business, it's not really like a high profit kind of, kind of thing. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, speaking, speaking of the dolphins, um, you know, like most people are familiar with dolphins that are in the ocean and in the introduction, we talked a little bit about, uh, about how these dolphins are different, uh, because I was up in Kampi, up on the Mekong River here in Cambodia recently, uh, and so I got to see the dolphins, and I noticed that they're much smaller than like the dolphins that we have in Hawaii, um, and and they don't have the beaks like like normal ocean dolphins do, I guess. But could you tell us a little bit more about the dolphins and what makes them distinct, other than the fact that they live in rivers, and and how do they end up living in rivers? Tell us a little bit sure. about the dolphins. Um, actually, Irrawaddy dolphins technically are oceanic dolphins. Um, they live both in oceans and rivers, um, which is, is unique. Um, they're technically not a river dolphin, meaning they're not only living in rivers. They're found mainly in like coastal areas all throughout Southeast Asia. I'm sorry, you say coastal areas, but like, uh, Mandalay is like way up river. So how did they get way up so far? Sure. Well, they are able to also, uh, survive and, and live in rivers. Um, hmm. uh, it's the population in as as the population in uh, Mandalay is similar to the population in um, in the Mekong, and that it's a population that swam up river and then sort of stayed there and then uh, didn't move away. The habitat um, south of where they are just isn't good enough for them or for for more dolphins to continue coming up. Um, that's the general story hmm. better. Okay. Um, yes, they don't have beaks. You can't see beaks actually though, but they're, they actually do. You just can't really see it. Um, but yeah, they don't have the, the Arawati dolphins don't have like the long pronounced beaks that you can see and, you know, bottle, uh, bottle nose dolphins or, or other dolphins. Um, actually typically, the other species of the species of river dolphins actually do have really, really long beaks, um, longer than the, uh, than the typical oceanic dolphins. Uh, Irrawaddy dolphins are clo most closely related to, um, uh, killer whales. But they're so small, like they are smaller than your average dolphin. Yeah. They are small. They are not the smallest. No, there are other, there are ocean dolphins that are smaller than, than, um, than Irrawaddy dolphins. Okay. I'm also kind of curious, uh, like if you say they, they, you know, they, they swam upstream and they found like a nice environment and they decided to stay there for, we don't even know how long perhaps. Um, now that they're facing kind of these, these threats to their populations, how come they haven't like decided to move back to the ocean again? Good question. Um, I mean, I, it's an isolated population that's been in that. I mean, it's pretty, pretty long stretch of river between, um, between Mandalay and the ocean. And I mean, the groups of dolphins, Irrawaddy dolphins, they tend to like 
live in a, in a certain part of the river. They don't swim all the way up and down the river. So like in the Irrawaddy River, you'll, um, like in the area where we, where we take tourists, there are an estimated about between 25 and 30 dolphins. And, and within that, that population, there are actually like groups of dolphins and they seem to like, they seem to, uh, live in specific areas because I think that they just, they, um, you know, they get good at, at, at fishing and hunting in that, in that area. And so they sort of stake out their area. So they're not, they're not really swimming all the way up and down the river all the time. And that's the same thing goes for the population in Cambodia. Yeah, that's what, uh, th- there's the one that's right near Krache. Um, and, and that one kind of sticks, stays by itself. And then there's two that are farther north and there's two northern populations. They kind of mingle with each other, whereas the southernmost right. one kind of kind of sticks right. to themselves. But in Cambodia, like the, it's pretty accessible. So, you know, you're talking about the Irrawaddy Dolphin yeah. Project uh, in Myanmar near Mandalay, which is kind of like north central, right. I guess, uh, Myanmar. But it, it, are the are the dolphins far from Mandalay? Is it like difficult for tourists no, to get there? And then that's why you're having. No, some it's not difficult. And so, I mean, one of the things is we've just we're trying to make it easier and clearer for people to do this trip. Um, the trip that we do is, uh, we have one day program, a two day program and a three day program. They all start and end in Mandalay. So, um, we go up river about, uh, four or five hours, depending on which, which program it is. So, you know, if it's a one day program, we can't go quite as far up, but, um, but we go up river about uh, four or five hours. The area is about, it's about 40, 40 kilometers away, between 30 and 40 kilometers away. So sorry, Paul, for our listeners, like I've looked at your website, but can you kind of tell us what are the trips? Like what happens? What do they do? So someone's in Mandalay. What does it look like? What's a day look like with you guys? So, um, I mean, we have... We have a one-day program, a two-day program, and a three-day program. All of the programs that we have um, take you to different fishing communities along the way because one of our mm-hmm. one of our objectives is to generate income for for the communities and for the fishermen. Um, okay. And the other the other thing is by taking taking you to different communities, uh, we have a better chance of trying to see dolphins because fishermen from each community help us to look for dolphins along the way. For example, some, um, we stop in one community and we, uh, one of the communities, uh, they, they make bamboo hats. So, um, and the fishermen's wives are the ones who make the hats. So it's another way that the, you know, the families of the fishermen can earn some, earn, earn some income. And they, they, you know, they show you how right. they make the hats and uh, we have some tea leaf salad, you know, uh, they show you how to put on Tanaka, which is, uh, which is a tradition in Myanmar, you know, uh, we have lunch along the way uh, in another community or sometimes we have lunch uh, at one of the areas where they go fishing. Um, and the, the people living at this, uh, at this fishing camp, you know, explain to visitors about what they're doing, you know, how they fish and, you know, about their daily lives. So, so people are camping then? People are camping. Um, we have some sort of larger tents, dare I say luxury tents, 
but uh, they're tents that, that we've handed over to the village to manage. Uh, the village the village earns basically more that they we, we pay them for setting up the tents and taking down the tents and taking care of the tents and um, and so you stay on a beautiful island across the river from the village uh, it's a beautiful sandy sandy beach in the middle of the river um, and you camp there under the stars and the villagers uh, bring some local food that they've cooked we usually have a bonfire um, it's, it's really a great experience. And then in the morning, the fishermen uh, would take you on one of their fishing boats uh, even further upriver to look for dolphins again. Um, along the way, the entire way along the way, the first day and the second day, we also have one of the best, some of the best fishermen like with us on the boat scouting, scouting uh, for dolphins. Sometimes we see them on the first day. Sometimes we see them in the morning on the second day. Sometimes we see them uh, in the afternoon on the second day. So it sort of depends where the dolphins are uh, on that trip. Yeah, that's actually, I was going to ask about that. I was wondering like, uh, so are you eating fresh fish from these fishermen? And then I was wondering like, uh, I know like here in Cambodia, they had some problems with the past, in the past uh, because fishermen would inadvertently catch uh, or maybe intentionally catch a long time ago, uh, the dolphins or the dolphins would get hit by boat motors. Um, ha- did you ever hear any stories from these fishermen that they used to hunt for the dolphins or that they, they used to, there used to be more dolphins? Are they aware of this as a, as a problem? Um, or, or what's the traditional relationship between the fishermen sure. and the dolphins? So regarding like um, threats to dolphins, like what is actually... Um, what is actually killing dolphins. Um, yes, sometimes dolphins get caught in long nets, which, which are called gill nets, or, or um, I think some of them are, are actually drift nets. Um, that, that's probably, in, what, from what I've heard, is in Cambodia and, and Laos, that is the biggest threat. Uh, the fishermen, however, they claim that electro electrofishing or electric fishing is the biggest threat. So um, uh, some fishermen uh, over the past, they say five years, uh, people have learned that they can buy car batteries. And what they do is they they buy the car batteries and um, basically just attach some, some wires to it. And they, they, they put those on some bamboo poles and they stick them down in the river and shock everything. And sometimes they say that the, the, the dolphins uh, might be nearby trying to get some of the fish and they also might get shocked. The electrofishing also heavily depletes the fish stock. So that's clearly not good for dolphins. Um, uh, the other threats are, I, as far as boats hitting them, um, I've heard of one instance of that, um, although it wasn't really clear if, if it really was the boat that it actually killed the dolphin. Um, so sorry, Paul, I mean, you mentioned cooperative fishing and I've watched the video on your, <clears throat> on your website. Basically, it, it seems the dolphins kind of like slap their tail on the water or something. And I'm guessing they scare the fish towards the net. Is that right? And what do the dolphins get from this? Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So, I mean, the dolphins are extremely smart. 
Um, and so they have learned over generations as with the fishermen how, how they can fish together. And you're right. What they do is they, as a group, they rear, they sort of scare the fish. They sort of rear the fish towards the fisherman's boat, which typically would be parked. He would be sort of uh, floating near near the bank of the river, which you know is is better for trying to trap the fish. And the fishermen use a cast net, um, so um, which is which is quite difficult to use, and you know it takes a lot of skill. And what happens is the lead dolphin will flap its tail to indicate to the fishermen when they should throw their net, you know, when the fish are close enough by. So it's actually, um, it's actually quite, uh, you know, quite an activity that they do together. And um, what do the dolphins get out of it? Uh, the dolphins yeah, actually get more, get? yeah, they get more fish also. So when the net goes out, so the fish are pretty close to the close to the boat. The net goes out. Um, the fish actually try to escape from the net, and the dolphins can also. So they the dolphins can feed from the fish around the net. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. We we read a story a few weeks ago about this uh, project and had no idea you were involved, and here we are connected. So on our website, we'll provide links to your website, which has a number of pretty cool videos if you want to see this cooperative fishing. Has pictures of the tents, which look pretty cool. Um, so well done on this, Paul. Uh, you have your hands in lots of neat stuff. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with us. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Wow, Paul is a fascinating guy and always has really interesting stuff to share, huh? Yeah, you know, it just reminds me again of why it's so great doing this podcast. Just because we learn so many interesting things. We have these people on that can share great insight. And uh, this is just such a fascinating subject. So it's really cool to learn more about it, especially since, you know, we have Cambodia. Uh, Cambodia has the Irrawaddy dolphins and they're just such fascinating creatures. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting how on our first episode of 2019, we sort of mentioned that we touched on environmentalism types themes a lot in 2018 without planning to do it. And here we are second episode of this year and, and we're kind of into environmentalism things again. So I think this is something that's probably going to emerge as even a growing theme uh, in the coming year. Yeah, you know, it's really good. And, and this is kind of a, a good type of tourism, I think, as well, especially as, you know, it's becoming more responsible and it's becoming focused on education. So it's just a great way to travel if you have the opportunity to to see uh, these amazing creatures. It's just like a cool thing to add to any trip uh, to Myanmar or, or Cambodia. Yeah, and in addition, you know, we've mentioned over tourism a lot on this show and, and doing things like this in, in Myanmar and Cambodia, like following these pursuits to see an animal, it gets you to places that there's not hordes of people as well at the same time. And I got to say, at the opening, you mentioned stand up paddling in Krachi or Kratze. I know it's said different ways to see the dolphins. Like one of my goals this year I mentioned is to go north on the river from Phnom Penh and get back to 4,000 islands. But when I go to Kratze, I'm definitely hunting that down. So thanks for that. And we will put a link um, to that on our show notes. We'll have a link to the Irrawaddy uh, Dolphin Project. They have some cool videos on their site and other links. So uh, thanks a ton for listening. This is Scott Coates saying farewell. Trevor, take us out, man. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, we appreciate your support. So if you can go to patreon.com or go to talktravelasia.com, when you check out our show notes, uh, there'll be a link to donate to the 
program because we really appreciate your support. We're getting close to 100 now, which is quite a milestone. And uh, I think uh, it's a pretty interesting show, so I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, we're glad that you came on to listen uh, to us again today. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, hopefully another interesting episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Amber?